Welcome back to Into the Bullpen. I'm your host, Casey Gray, and full disclosure, today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter. There's not a whole lot out there on this case, as you will find out in just a minute or two, but today we're going to be talking about someone who is very peculiar, and this case is a really good kind of glimpse into how criminals slip through the cracks and kind of get an opportunity to reoffend or in this case kill again. This case is fascinating, it's horrifying and it is interesting. I cannot believe that I had never heard of this case before and I'm so excited to tell you guys about this case. This is the mysterious Pazuzu Algarod. So we're going to start from the beginning in this case, you guys, and I have to say that this case was really hard to research. I really couldn't find any official documents at all on this man. All I could really find was news reports, so some of the little details are inconsistent across multiple platforms and sources. I will be sure, as always, to link those sources on my Facebook page. Make sure you guys give that a follow. It will keep you up to date on all things Into the Bullpen podcast, especially since things are going to be a little bit quiet around here for a while. But... And starting from the beginning, we have to start at the very start. John Alexander Lawson was born on August 12th, 1978. He was born in California, but at some point he moved to North Carolina. Now, some sources say that the family moved there when he was two and that both his mom and dad moved there. And then some sources say that when his parents, Cynthia and Timothy separated in 1990, his mom moved them to Clemens, North Carolina and brought John with her. So at some point in his life, he ended up in North Carolina. From a young age, John had some serious mental health issues. He was diagnosed to have schizophrenia and agoraphobia. If you're not familiar with that term, agoraphobia is an anxiety disorder, according to the Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Literally enter agoraphobia into Google and it comes up as verbatim, extreme or irrational fear of entering open or crowded places, of leaving one's own home, or of being in places from which escape is difficult. His mother, Cynthia, put him into a few treatment centers but later would say that if he wanted out, she would just let him come out. I know one of his stays in a mental institution, he was only there for about two months before he asked her to take him out and she just did. John actually ended up dropping out of high school after he failed the ninth grade for the second time. And at this time he became heavily involved in drugs and alcohol. He ended up changing his name in 2002. He changed his name to Pazuzu Ila Algarad. The name Pazuzu comes from mythology. Pazuzu was the demon of the Southwest wind and is the demon in the film, The Exorcist. Following his name change, now legally, Pazuzu became a Satanist. According to an old friend, Pazuzu, quote, chose that name from The Exorcist and he said that Pazuzu was the demon associated with winning, getting your desires. Pazuzu began to follow satanic rituals. He sacrificed rabbits in his bedroom. He filed his teeth down to sharp points split his tongue, tattooed his face, and began to reject basic hygiene. Pazuzu allegedly never brushed his teeth and showered maybe at most once a year. According to some of his friends, though, Pazuzu had some compelling charisma about him that was appealing to a surprising amount of people. 
They even compared his charisma to that of Charles Manson. Because of his charisma, Pazuzu was surrounded by women, outcasts, and misfits. He even had two alleged fiancés. Now, some sources say that they were both his fiancés. Some say one was a fiancé, one was a girlfriend. Regardless, he rejected monogamy. According to one friend, Algarod admitted to this friend that he'd injected him with mushrooms and large doses of LSD during a night of partying. Pazuzu lived with his mom, Cynthia, and one of his fiancés, Amber Birch, at 2749 Knob Hill Drive. It is reported that some of those misfits and outcasts that frequented their house oftentimes would move in for long periods of time. At this house on Knob Hill Drive, you could, quote, find people committing self-harm, blood drinking from birds, animal sacrifices, large amounts of drug usage, and ritualistic orgies. I'm going to attach some of the photos onto the Facebook post of this house. Stop what you are doing and go look at these pictures. They are horrific. They are disgusting and they are worth looking at to get a sense of what kind of environment this man was living in. The walls are covered in graffitied satanic symbols. One of the people who had been in this house had spoken to the press about how there was a back bedroom that was off limits. The basement was also off limits, but the rest of the house was essentially just used for partying and orgies at any given time. Witnesses also reported that Algarod and his self-proclaimed wife, Amber Birch, would go into the off-limits back bedroom, come out with a rabbit, and sacrifice it at a homemade altar in the front room of the house, and they would smear the rabbit's blood all over their faces. It is also alleged that Pazuzu ate the hearts from the rabbits raw. According to family and friends, Pazuzu and Amber would drink each other's blood often and would also administer bloodletting to each other. I didn't know what this was, I had to look it up, but bloodletting is when you cut open a vein and then pour what, like the blood that comes out of it, you put it in some sort of container. I guess that is the blood they drank of each other's, but it is also reported that they often use Algarod's sharpened teeth to open their veins. Pazuzu's first time getting involved with the law was in 2008 when he was indicted for robbery. On May 28, 2010, he was arrested for putting his mother into a chokehold. In October of 2010, Algarod was charged with accessory after the fact of involuntary manslaughter. A man by the name of Nicholas Pascal Rizzi was suspected in the shooting of a Joseph Emmerich Chandler. While police are looking for Nicholas Rizzi, they ask Pazuzu if he knows where he's at, and Pazuzu says he does not. However, Nicholas Rizzi is later found hiding out in Algarod's home on Knob Hill Drive. On August 23, 2011, Pazuzu Algarod pled guilty to misdemeanor assault on an ex. Amber Birch was accused of battery on Pazuzu's mother in September of 2011. At this time, Cynthia, Pazuzu's mother, went to the sheriff's office and informed them that she had heard a gunshot in her home and had come out to find Amber Birch holding a rifle with a dead man slumped over on the couch. Cynthia was fully cooperative with investigators at this time. However, when law enforcement asked to speak with her son on this case, Cynthia shut down and told them she was wrong, she was lying, she made it all up. One of Amber's friends was in contact with one of Pazuzu's old friends by the name of Matt Flowers, who had relocated to the West Coast after he enlisted in the military. This woman told Matt Flowers that she had helped Pazuzu Algarod and Amber Birch bury a body in their backyard on Knob Hill. This friend of Amber's told Matt 
that she had received a text from Amber asking her to come over and help with something. When she gets there, she finds Amber Birch smiling, who says, I just did my first. Flowers gives police in the area an anonymous tip that there is a dead body in the backyard, but not before first flying that woman out to the West Coast where she would be safe from harm from Amber and Pazuzu. Unfortunately, law enforcement don't really have anything to go off of, so they can't really act on this tip. Matt Flowers at some point moves back to North Carolina and continues to hang out at Algarod's house. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. Apparently, he started hanging out there right away when he turned 17, so I feel like it could be one of those things where it's just a habit, but that is just speculation. I have no information as to why he continued to hang out at that house, even though he believed this woman who said she helped them bury a body. After about five years, Algarod approaches Matt and asks him if he will help him kill a man. Matt says no, and in response, Algarod says he was going to rape any woman he ever saw Matt with. Flowers was actually planning on killing Algarod then, but he lucked out when, a few days later, on October 5th, 2014, the Forsyth County Sheriff's Department executed a search warrant on the house on Knob Hill. According to investigators in this case, they had been notified back in 2009 that Pazuzu Algarod had shown a man a dead body in his basement. That man then told his daughter, I don't know why, and then his daughter told the police. According to the man, Algarod used chlorine and cat litter to hide the stench. Investigators wanted to follow up on that, and so they went to Pazuzu's house and they asked if they could look around. They report that Pazuzu Algarod was happy to show them around the house and there were no signs of dead bodies. As far as the chlorine and the cat litter, investigators say they couldn't really go off of that to get a search warrant because the house had a pool in the backyard and there was also between 15 to 20 cats living in the home at the time. Investigators say they received many tips over the course of the following months, but people would change their stories, retract their statements, and so they didn't really have a lot to work with. Eventually, though, police were able to obtain a search warrant for the house on Knob Hill Drive. However, their search, which included cadaver dogs, came up empty. They had searched the house one more time in 2010, but again, their search did not yield any findings. But on October 5th, 2014, in the backyard of Algarod's house, authorities find the skeletal remains of two men buried in shallow graves. Both bodies were determined to have died from gunshot wounds to the head. Both Pazuzu Algarod and Amber Birch were arrested for murder. A day later, one of Pazuzu Algarod's other women, some sources say girlfriend, some say fiance, but some sort of relationship, her name is Crystal Matlock, and she was arrested in connection with the murders and was charged with accessory after the fact for helping bury one of the bodies. It was determined that those bodies were about five years old at the time of their discovery, which would put their deaths about the time that Cynthia had come forward to police. It also coincides with both tips, the one from Matt Flowers and the one from the daughter of the man who Pazuzu had shown this body to. Two days later, on October 7th, 2014, police conduct a thorough search of the house on 2749 Knob Hill Drive. I'm going to link this video on the Facebook post. These poor men. This house is disgusting. It's 
horrifying, it's filthy. According to reports, the house was filled with both human and animal feces. There's dead animal carcasses everywhere, flooded with garbage. There's blood smeared on the walls. It is a horrifying sight. The walls are completely littered with satanic symbols, and there's an Arabic phrase written on the door that roughly translates to the house of devil worship. The house is deemed unfit for human habitation. Less than a week later, on October 13th, 2014, the bodies found in the backyard are identified as Joshua Frederick Wetzler and Tommy Dean Welch. These men were both reported missing in 2009. In January of 2015, the Forsyth County Housing Department issues a notice that February is the deadline for making the home fit for living in it. Um, This deadline was missed and the process of foreclosure began. I am not sure if Cynthia was the one living in the house at the time or who was there. I really couldn't find all that information during this time, but in April, the house ended up being demolished. In the time that Pazuzu Algarod had been in jail, he had been transferred twice due to um, suicide attempts. And in October, he's being homed at the Central Prison in Raleigh, North Carolina. On the morning of October 28, 2015, he's found dead in his cell. Throughout his entire incarceration, Pazuzu had been writing letters to his mother. And two days prior to his successful suicide, Pazuzu wrote a goodbye letter to his mother. It was determined that he had died from a deep cut to his arm. His death was ruled a suicide. I'm also going to put some paperwork from the coroner on this post. There's a lot of speculation that he used his own teeth to create the wound that led to his death, but officials say that they cannot, with complete certainty, agree with that statement. On March 9, 2017, Amber Birch pled guilty to the murder of one of the men found in the backyard, Tommy Dean Welch. She testified that she shot him in the head while he was sitting on the couch in the home on Knob Hill. This directly coincides with what Cynthia told the Sheriff's Department back in 2010. On June 5, 2017, Crystal Matlock also pled guilty to conspiracy to accessory after the fact of first-degree murder in the death of Joshua Frank Wetzler, who she admitted to helping bury in the backyard. So I don't particularly know much about satanic cults, and I, I really want to give you guys like a deeper understanding of some of the different aspects of this case, but I was, I was really freaked out by the thought of Googling satanic cults. So instead, I decided maybe I should touch on some of the health risks of consuming human blood, particularly someone else's. According to Healthline, consuming more than a few teaspoons of someone else's blood can be extremely dangerous. Quote, healthy human blood is rich in iron. Our bodies have a hard time getting rid of excess iron. If you drink more than what you might consume when eating a raw steak, you're at risk for iron overload. This condition is called hemochromatosis. So in my mind, in the state that this house was, I feel like there's very little chance, first of all, considering the details of orgies and who knows what's been where and the fact that there's 15 cats and such, I really have a hard time imagining that Pazuzu and Amber were healthy adults. So take that and the fact that sometimes when our bodies absorb too much of one nutrient, they have a hard time absorbing others. I truthfully cannot imagine the physical states of these two. It blows my mind that Cynthia was living there throughout all of this as well. Although there's a lot of speculation that Pazuzu Algarod brainwashed and manipulated his mother to cause her to be sort of a servant. It's reported that he never held a job and he just lived at home and his mother paid for everything. She depleted her life savings just to ensure that he was taken care of and had what he needed. You guys, I know this seems like it's a cliffhanger, but this is the end of the episode. This is all the information that I could find on this man. I really couldn't 
find any official documents. So everything I've got is linked over on the Facebook page. Please make sure you head over there so you can check it out and make sure you give it a follow so you can stay up to date on all things Into the Bullpen podcast. As always, please make sure to follow the Facebook page, leave a review, share it with your family and friends for more podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening.